So I wanted to have a conversation with Graham Irwin. Graham is a architect up in Marin County, California. His company is Essential Habitats. Graham and I kind of got introduced to home performance and high-performing building and residential design and construction way back in the early 2000s, I think. Uh, but here's a little bit about uh, Passive House, uh, code changes and production builders and the challenges of getting Passive House adopted into uh, typical residential construction and remodeling. So check it out. So I wanted to touch base with Graham Irwin. Graham's an old friend of mine from Marin County, uh, practicing architect in Marin. Graham, can you tell us, um, A, you know, what was your journey like getting into kind of high performance design and building? And I know we kind of went on that on-ramp together. It seemed like it felt like our little tribe up there, but it was a lot of fun and a lot of good camaraderie. Um, was that a challenge for you as a budding architect to kind of uh, swim in a different direction than everybody else? Or, or was that natural to you? Or what was that like? Uh, that's a great, well, great question with probably a number of answers. Um, sure. It, it was, it was certainly a challenge because there, I didn't, I just couldn't find much information. You know, I, I spent a lot of time like, checking out and reading this is i mean there was internet this must have been 2006 2007 i mean there was internet yeah. then but infancy yeah yeah so a lot of like reading books from the library mostly from the 70s about <laughs> passive solar and and things right. like that um and and you know and it was i remember connecting with you early on because you were in home performance but yeah. So on one side of it, it was a challenge because there didn't seem to be a lot of information around. And, you know, right. and I was also on the sidebar, like uh, PG&E, the utility here had all these, these classes. So I would sign up and start taking all of those classes. And then there was this organization, well, it's still around called Build It Green. Mm -hmm. And so I'd go to all their classes. So I was going to all these classes and reading all these old books and trying to find whatever I could and then talking to people that were actually, you know, working in the field like you. So that was the hard part. I, I think the easy part was it was really motivating to me and, and partly maybe the challenge of it was also motivating because mm. I felt like I, like, you know, right. You love a good challenge. Yeah. What were your, your peers? I mean, were they, cause I know that you, the meetings you and I attended way back in the day were very few architects and you and James were one of the few. And, um, it was, it was cool that you guys were there, but it was just like disappointing that they weren't half the audience weren't filled with architects. You know, it's like, I, I guess yeah. us two as builders were the feeling the same way. And it was kind of nice to have this little group, but at the same time, it was hard to crack that egg into the, the major mainstream. Hey, you guys should do this. So you, you know, you'd benefit by, xyz whatever that is um so I think that's still, we were both yeah i think that's still a challenge and and frankly you know we didn't get to this yet but um you know i through this kind of process i ended up discovering passive house and i was in the first training kind of found mm -hmm. that by accident too the first training in the u.s for that in 2008 right. 
and I had to go to like this pilgrimage, three different <laughs> trips to right. Urbana, Champaign-Urbana, right. Illinois. A long walk to Illinois, right. right. But I, you know, I came back and I thought, well, this, this just answers all the questions I had. And it yeah. makes so much sense. You were sense. the passive house apostle after. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and I just thought, I thought, you know, I mean, th- this is going to sell itself, right? Like, I mean, if right. people, people are going to just see how sensible this is. And especially, especially in Marin and especially in Northern California, where we're supposed to be yeah, these very progressive receptive. thinkers and, you know, like, environmentalists like why it's just going to be like i just right. like to tell people about it so has it. that has that ever changed i mean i know it was tough back then that's kind of why i got out of the biz but uh it was so difficult to build up a, a, a base market that would jump on board but if it wasn't it's uh, like why bother yeah it has not i mean it's not selling itself mm. i'm i'm doing a, a lot of work right now i think around messaging. I've got a new website and stuff coming out. Don't hold me to the date when it's going to come out, but I'm feeling pretty okay. good about good about putting the messaging in context um, with what people really value. I, you know, I mean, and, and my analogy with this, I've kind of used this in some, some presentations I've given um, about like an electric car, right? Like say you want to sell someone an electric car. Say you want to sell them a really nice electric car. And I think the one I, and the one I used was this Audi e-tron, right? Whatever. So you've got this really high end, nice electric car and you could spend all your time just talking about all the mechanical gadgets underneath the hood. Right. And, and sure. in my presentation, I found a German <laughs> found like a, a diagram with everything in German. So there's all these really long German words for all these parts. And you could talk about that. But most of the people that are going to care about that stuff first don't really care what the car looks like. Right. So if you want to sell this car, you've got to sell people on how it feels, what it looks like, what it expresses. Oh, and yes, and it's also environmentally beneficial. And, right. You know, sell them the result and not all necessarily. These other things. So, and I think that's been part of the problem with, I mean, with this whole thing is that it's somewhat preaching to the choir and the the people that are already enthusiastic are already enthusiastic and it's not, it's not that large a chunk of the population. So I think the messaging is, needs to be updated. I also think that, you know, people are becoming more and more aware of the issue and there's more and more development of this. I mean, when I started, you know, came back from Illinois, I don't know what, maybe there were 10 passive house projects in yeah, the Yeah, what's the count country. today? Or do you know? Oh, in the country? Thousands, for sure. You in know, the in States? California, there was, California, there was one, and now there might be a hundred, you know, which is nice. nearly as many as there should be. But, you know, I've worked on maybe... 20 to 30. So of those, of those numbers of, of passive houses in California, how many are, are, are they spread across the state? Or are they mostly in specific climate zones? Is it easier to get to? And that's another, trick, uh, right? yeah. yeah, another kind of pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Not that I'm not grateful for it, but a, a lot of, well, most of the projects I've worked on, it seems like most of the projects that are around, are around the Bay area, um, right. where, I don't know. People think 
that it's really, it's not necessarily that it's easy to do here because all the same principles apply. And you actually have to be really careful about balancing summer and winter performance in a way that you might not elsewhere. But you certainly need much less insulation than you would in a, in a more harsh climate. So, you know, on that se- in that sense, it's like places in the state where you would get a lot more benefit. Why in Lake, you know, Lake Tahoe, I think there's one, but why is that not Crazy. filled with them? It makes no sense right. to me, you know? So know. I've been, I've been working on trying to spread the, the adoption of it throughout the state for a while. They had, I remember teaching up there for Build It Green and they had a great uh, builders association. It'd be great for you to connect with them. And in Tahoe. they were always welcome for, yeah, Truckee, oh, Tahoe. Good idea. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was great. There were a bunch of great guys and gals. Um, yeah, that's that's the big the problem, right? The the adoption of what we know is a good idea, what we know is not necessarily more expensive or harder. It's just <clears throat> better planning, better direction, better design, better execution. Um, that's always the struggle when when everybody's playing in the in the norm. It's and we're always playing right. on these peripherals. What in today's world is there a ratio of your clients that are just like your standard? run of the mill. I mean, I don't know if they're run of the mill up there, but uh, versus those that are really seeking the credentials or the certifications. I don't know. I mean, I don't stress the certification that much. I, I certainly value it and I, mm-hmm. and I let people know about the value, but I, I don't tend to work. I'd say most of my clients are doing passive house that could be certified if they chose to mm, do it. They're, they're there. And they're pretty yeah, close. And to it, yeah. Close and to it, it, yeah. I mean, because again, to me, it just makes so much sense. And it's like, well, Oh, Oh, I want to do it, but I, 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 you know, here's certification and I, I want to be clever somehow and step back right. a little bit from there because right. obviously, obviously that will save money. And it's like, well, what, like, what benefit do you want to give up or how, how do you want to compromise this optimal thing? Like, tell me, tell me what it is. Do you want it to be less comfortable than it could be or (laughs) worse air quality or just higher utility bills or more environmental impact? Like what negative thing are you trying to introduce? And I don't, I just don't really, I just don't really want to deal with that. It's like, it's, pointless to me frankly so yeah I, you know people that don't want to do that i'm like hey that's great you know good luck but i you know we all only have so much time and and i don't want to sp- i i work hard on every project i do so i don't want to do that with you know one arm tied behind my back or or knowing that we're deliberately heading for something less than what it could be um for no really good reason so are you uh, then selective with who you work for and oh, with yeah. and which project? Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's when you can yeah. build up that yeah. base where you can be that selective. That's cool. I'm and congratulations. You, you, need you need to. Yeah, I mean, especially if you want to true, stay true to your passion, which is building a better, higher quality product and not yeah, only beautiful but, but performs. Yeah, and it's also just you know you you, you have to have a niche, right? I mean, hopefully not too right. small of one, but if you have mm-hmm. no identifiable market that you're serving then you, right. you don't even know what you're going to be doing right it's just whatever happens to come along and so. you're, you're kind of in the perfect area perfect storm where you got the the receptive market or the bulk of them 
and you got the the utilities kind of behind performance to some extent, or at least educating the public. Um, then you have the state's goals that are pretty high and dramatic compared to the other 49. Um, so yes you gotta, and no. you're, you're in a good sweet spot. Yes and no. So oh, really? I actually, yeah, I was actually just on a, attended a webinar this week and it was a report, this, this organization, a couple of people, the authors of it were talking and they were commissioned by the, the energy commission, commissioned by the energy commission. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> Uh, to come up with an analysis of why it hasn't been as there hasn't, you know, what areas of the country and the world has it been, has there been a huge amount of uptake and why, what are the barriers and what are the, what's the pathway to having it uh, adopted more in California? So Mm -hmm. I think California should be that sweet spot that you're saying, but it hasn't become that yet. You know, um, New York cities or well, New York state for that matter is all in, I'm just kind of quote, paraphrasing from this report, right. which I what I already right. knew. I Pennsylvania, state of Pennsylvania. Mm. Now it's a scoring mechanism for funding for affordable housing. And it's almost like you need to do it to get right. the project funded. So it's going crazy. Uh, Vancouver, it seems like that's Canada. what pushed, right. It seems like that's what pushed the home performance kind of trained down the tracks initially was that need up in the Northeast to help affordable housing, help the people freezing in their apartments, et cetera. And yeah. And then, you know, kind of coming back to what you, you know, where you were and what, what you were doing, like, I, I don't even know, you know, like if, I, if I'm doing my passive house thing, I know who I work with and I have all those people, but if I've got people like people that call me or friends or whoever, who just have a, maybe it's a house where they're not doing enough work to make, to make it to pass the house or whatever. I, it's hard for me to even know who to refer for any kind of performance testing or improvement now like that. That's kind of feels like it's really gone away. Oh, really? A vacuum happened on huh? and nobody. Well, yeah, I mean, like when you, yeah, when you guys are around, you're doing all that stuff. And I remember like, was it BPI and then, energy upgrade California and all that stuff. And it's just petered out, huh? It feels you that think, way. I mean, we were, I mean, I was kind of looking at it from afar, but it seemed like Cal green kind of, and that was the state energy code or now green code attached to the code um, as kind of a, well, we don't need these other little special shiny projects over here. We're just, it's the code now it's higher than normal. It's got all these cool green features in it. Yeah. It's missing some big things too. Like I, I, I said, right. I, I didn't done it trying to promote, you know, trying to promote this kind of performance throughout the state. And I did a study comparing California code, you know, which is supposed to be admirable and is relatively speaking to passive house in all 16 climate zones. And, right. and what I found the two, it depended on the climate zone, but the two, the two biggest benefits were either air tightness with heat recovery ventilation or slab under slab insulation. That was like number one or number two everywhere. And neither of those things have a code requirement at all. So very interesting. Like what you're saying, like Cal green's a requirement, right? But if I, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, I, I want to 
get a blower door test and have my house, I'd like to have it, you know, air sealed as much as can be done without taking it apart. You know, and again, right. that's, that's kind of where, where we are. If we want really high performance, it's, it's for major remodels or new construction. Right. I mean, right. but someone that wants like, what can I get done? What's the, what sort of good, good practice or the best I can do to make a really bad situation better. Maybe not ideal, right. but better. It's really hard to find anybody. Like, I guess they're, you know, you'd know better than me, but it's just really tough to make a living uh, doing that here. <laughs> right. That was always the flaw with the business model is the, the market came before, or the, the horse came before the market. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's going to change. I mean, you know, what's the big problem? If you had to name one thing, it might be that natural gas is really inexpensive, you know, and, right. and California's done, you know, since the seventies, a really great job with electricity conservation, right? But we're Not trying to move to gas. electrification now and we need to, but I like, what, I mean, there are people who know, but it's not common knowledge yet that that getting rid of natural gas is going to be a big challenge because we, you know, the other problem is, right, we're in the, our, our system of measure, right? We use different, different, yeah. well, not even different units, but units from different systems to measure electricity and natural gas. So it's not even that apparent how much is being consumed, but it's, it's an enormous amount of natural gas and it's for space heating and water heating residentially, right. uh, partly because of this push, historic push to conserve electricity, which made a lot of sense at the time, you know, we, we you know, it was really incentivized to, to, to use natural gas. That was like the clean, that was the clean right. fuel of the day. Right. Um, but to move to, you know, to move to zero emission, you can't, I mean, there is a synthetic natural gas, which is a whole other discussion, but, um, you know, it, it, electricity is really the bulk of that answer. So that, you know, for that to happen, there's going to have to be a big change. And that may be the time when people are like, Hey, Oh, we need this. And it may well be, and it, it wouldn't surprise me. And frankly, I'd be okay with it because it would still be generating these benefits. It may be that California has to come up with their own, <laughs> has to discover what Passive House is already doing and, and consider it their own idea and make it part of California <laughs> and not be even called right. that anymore. And then it'll be yeah. there. That may be what has to happen. I don't, I, you know, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm just think of a new term that they'll adopt and they'll swallow the pill and they'll say it was and, theirs. You know, and you know that's fine. That you know, if it if it if it delivers all these benefits and gets the job done and and saves the climate, you know, hey, and gives people these benefits that everyone should have and isn't aware of. Right. Terrific. You said earlier that a lot of your projects, they're kind of already close to getting to certification. They already kind of have the built-in specs as they were. Yeah. Uh, is that kind of inherent? And in, I mean, you've already kind of built that into your discussion with the client. Like, hey, I'm doing this XYZ package because this is how I design. This is how I want to make sure you're comfortable down the road and whatever that spiel is. That So that's 
That's yeah, what in, agreement you guys come to. In most, yeah, and in most, I don't even know that I get into that much detail with them generally. Uh, so in, they don't know your insulation choices in a wall or an attic per se, or or do you have those kind they, of details? I mean, they will know as I do it, but um, it isn't. It it might be you know. It, it might be more of an issue if I were in Duluth, Minnesota or somewhere, you know, with our, Where that topic Miami, is a little bit higher. Miami or, or yeah. uh, Palm Springs or something where it was really, really hard to meet that certification goal. Right. And that without going into too much of it, that's been some controversy as well, right? Between the hmm. U.S. passive house and the international passive house is like, you have this one standard and it's really hard in some places and not in others. In any case, um, in in most of the work I do, right? Being in, in coastal California, it's not that hard to meet the standard. I'm not pushing up against some big challenge. So like I said previously, for me to do work, I, frankly, I don't even really worry about the standard. I'm, I exceed it, you know, generally, because <laughs> it just seems sensible. It's not that it doesn't take that much. And to, right. to like deliberately step it back so it fails in most cases to me is just not designing well. And, and, it, and would, would that save money up front? Probably some, but there's always, there's a constant cost versus value equation that you need to bring into, sure. and, you know, right. and of course you, you don't want to waste people's money and people have budgets that need to be respected as well. But I mean, the real goal, the real task I have is to make, yes, make sure the budget is met, but my real financial task is to maximize the value, right? This money, the money's being spent I need to make sure it's spent well and it's it's optimal because that right. you know to, you can there's lots of ways to screw things up right I mean you can I it's sort of a I don't know if it's my joke or whatever but I kind of say like construction isn't that hard it's just really easy to screw it up right there's a million ways yeah. to do it wrong so right. um, that's do. the challenge is like figuring out how to do it right and predicting where things might go wrong and all the rest of it so. Yeah, value maximization to me just says it doesn't in 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 most of these circumstances it doesn't make sense to make to this do it to not, to not do it the right, right way. Like right. what again? Like I said, what do you want to get rid of? What what you want your air? You want worse air, or you want to be uncomfortable, right. or you want right. to you know end up spending more in extra utility bills over the lifetime of this building by orders of magnitude than you're saving up front. Right. Like it, you know, and you know, like construction costs aren't linear, right? So like if you're already insulating, it doesn't cost twice as much to double that. So right. it's just finding those optimal spots. And, and again, I don't, I'm not really, I have the, I have the certification standards in the back of my head, but it's not, it's not what drives my thing. It's, I'm, right. I'm optimizing. It's not your hood ornament. You, you're just yeah. going in knowing that that's in your quiver of stuff that you can pull out and you know it and you're, you're building it into to everything. And I, yeah. And I've developed some proprietary optimization 
software. So I can tell, I can tell exactly where the low hanging fruit is. And just by, just by navigating that, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. Is that, I mean, I'm not going to pry and you can clue us in later, but is that based specifically on climate zone or, or what do you, what are your kind of your indicators? Your Yeah, it's a good question. So it, it's, and I, I don't know, I'm trying not to get too technical with it, but the, the original passive house energy model or widely, there's a, one before that, but the one, the most widespread one is called the Passive House Planning Package or PHPP. Mm -hmm. And it's an Excel based, it's this monstrous spreadsheet. And so, so I- So what's that tool you're using? It is, is that but the, I've mm -hmm. added, I've sort of developed my own front end spreadsheet for that. And it, it does what's called sensitivity analysis for me. So it'll, you know, I'll, I'll put in whatever the parameters might be and maybe to make it simple, let's say it's just, right roof wall and floor insulation maybe there's many more things than that but just there might be th those three things and it will it will adjust those values for me and show me how the how the results respond so i can tell you know if if the curve is really steep on an improvement right. well i you know i maybe ought to look at that one if there's something really flat adjusting that value is not going to make much difference and the whole thing is like trying to find, find that low hanging fruit and, and find that optimal balance and don't, yeah, that's don't spend great. a lot of time, like turning dials that aren't doing anything. And it, it's actually another thing I found in that study with code is that a lot of the code measures are actually meet or exceed what you need for passive house in many climate zones in California. So, so those, some of those levers are already pulled and you just got to find them. They're beyond. They're past, yeah. right? And, and the problem is, well, one, you, you're spending money on that where you could be spending it elsewhere. And two, if they're seeking, as they continue to seek more and more improvements, as they will, if they keep turning those knobs and ignore the ones that I, you know, like air tightness and slab insulation, for example, Mm -hmm. If they keep turning these other knobs, they're, it, it's just, it's not even just bad. It gets worse and worse and worse. And you get less and less improvement for oh, interesting. more right. and more investment in those things. So when you get way out beyond diminishing your point of diminishing returns, it's again, it's back to this optimization. And I think to me, when I look at passive house or when I think of passive house, it's not on a technical from a technical point, it's not these particular targets or those, those targets are in there. It's this optimization. It's a point of optimization where all of these th measures have been brought together to right. their logical point. Yeah. Cause you're absolutely right. I mean, we used to do that just for HVAC is make sure we're hitting that, you know, that, that common point of best performance, best value, and you're doing it for the whole project or the, the, you know, the whole structure. Right. The, the whole, you know, address, which is cool. Is that California centric, your tool? No. Or is it, I mean, it could no, be it anywhere. Hard. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's just taking it's that energy degree model. Days or what, yeah. It, it just takes the energy model, you know, and the energy model works anywhere. And it's just kind of automating the inputs, automating mm -hmm. the adjustments. So it'll like, like, again, let's just say it's, roof insulation and my goal is 12 inches it'll automatically 
try it from like a tenth of that up to 200%. So it'll go from like one inch up to 24 inches. And, and this is all automatic. So you don't need to sure, be very right. time consuming, but show you like heating, you know, winter energy consumption or summer energy consumption or uh, whatever. Based on that. It'll just show you how that, how that changes as you make that adjustment. And you, you know, we're visual, we're visual animals. So looking at a right. curve is right. a lot more informative than like, <laughs> just like massive amounts of data. <laughs> yeah. You need that kind of black box in the background doing all that right. data crunching to. Yeah. yeah and you want, you don't want to, you don't really want to see all those numbers. You want to see a graph, right? And you see right, the graph right. and you know what it is and sort of how to do it. And, you know, it's combined with intuition and experience, of course, but it, it just, it's just lets you get figure out exactly what you're doing. And if you're challenged, right? Like I've done, I don't did a project in, in Alaska, you know, like in the uh, Valdez. No, it wasn't Valdez, Alaska. It was, um, I don't remember the name of the town, but way up North and it had something like two or three hours of sunlight a day oh, at the pit of winter. I mean, hard. Right. And in situations like that, you're like, well, what, you know, what is the, what knob do I have less left to turn? And, right. you know, there, and there, it's usually not a mystery. You know, you don't want this to be like, Hey, this told me something that doesn't make any, it makes no sense yeah. to me, but I'll just go with it anyway. It, it, right. it confirms what you already know, but helps you quantify that. I think. Now that's such a cool methodology to kind of bypass that whole, cause I think that's been the, I mean, from, from looking at it from afar, that, that hesitation for the young architects to jump on board was just that assertion, that, that analysis of the data to say, what is the best lever to pull? I don't have that in my brain, so I'm depending upon the software to tell me. Yeah. Um, because that's what everybody wants. The builders that I work with all the time, they just tell me what to do. They don't, they don't design much. They just want to be told what to build, and they'll build it. But... Um, well, to some degree, yeah. I mean, the other sort of piece of my process is really involving the builder in this for the part that they know best, which is cost, right? Like having, you know, sitting right. back and like hypothesizing with software about what the most cost-effective way to construct something. I mean, it just, sometimes you need to do that for, for big theoretical studies, but for an actual project, I mean, my question would always be to like a room full of builders. Is there any builder in here that would bid a construction job based on some, some software spitting out a number for you? If you had no idea, you know, you, you just type it in, put the address in and, 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 and you would, you know, there's no one that would right. do that. They all want to, you know, because it's an art as well as a science, right? And there's, sure. right, it's right. way too complicated to have an algorithm do that. You I know, guess I should have preempted that, uh, that definition by saying my, my builder is the production builder who's doing 10,000 homes in a state a year. So they don't really pause to, to do a whole lot of planning and analytics. They just, but they should, pump it out. I, and I, I totally agree with you. That's kind of why I got in the biz is to maybe right. change yeah. the course of that ship a little bit, if anything. If they're doing um, 10,000 units a year, you know, and you save them. I mean, in fact, it's a stronger argument there. If you're doing a one-off project, 
yeah. the savings are might be there, but they're not. They're not. You know, multiply those savings by ten thousand. Right. A compelling. Really so we might not get them to zero. There are some builders, you know, nationally that are kind of looking at that horizon and have their sights on it, which is encouraging. It's you know one of the pack, but mm-hmm. you have the privilege of working with. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just custom homes or smaller projects or you know medium sized projects that that aren't replicated over and over and over. This is just one project with its own set of characteristics and climate zones and needs and all of that. Whereas the, the guys that I'm talking to are like, we just build them and sell them. We don't even know the cost until we collect all the bids. And then we're still trying to shave costs. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do certainly do a lot of custom work. I've also, again, in terms of trying to build, increase uptake of this, I have done some work on what I call pocket production designs. So I've done some pre-designed high performance homes that, that um, can be mass customized, I'd say, but it's basically, it's basically like a production home in terms of pre-designed, um, you know, ideally optimized as it goes, but like that can be built in right. one-off locations. At least if someone came to me and said, Hey, I want to build a few hundred or a few thousand of these, that'd be, you know, that, would you go into factory production at that yeah, point? Would absolutely. that be your best control mechanism? Yeah. Right? The reality is there's no way, there's no way we're building ourselves out of a climate crisis with one-off custom buildings. It's just not going to happen. It never well, has Well, even happened. stick building a hundred homes on site in the middle of a desert is not, you know, productive, but they do it continually and they're, there's no. But, but, but I guess what I'm saying is production Production housing is the answer because it's, you're just right. I agree with you that we just got to shift them over to a more efficient way to build more systematically better performing. If you do it this way, they're just stuck in the old method of on-site stick building. It's also frankly, like where you got to show the value, realize that value. Like I think once that value, once that value proposition is clear, it's going to change very, very fast. Yeah, I guess that's the crux of it. Is you know that's a big ship to turn. Even if even if you wanted them to get to from site stick built to factory delivered, whatever those are, either wall assemblies or whole modules or whatever. Yeah, um, that's a huge. That's a one eighty turn in my opinion. But just to steer that ship a little bit in in the right direction is is tricky. And it, you're right, exactly. That's. It's all about the bottom line for them. It's not about the award or the certificate or, in, in my opinion, it's not about how many awards they collect or how great they look on a billboard. It's the bottom line. Although so I was, yeah, I was thinking about it this morning and I was thinking about um, developers, right? And it all being about the bottom line. And of course it's not. I mean, it, you must, right? You have to attend to that or you go out of business. But if right. that's all you attend to, what does it really matter at yeah. the end of the day? I, and I what totally I was thinking about is like, what 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 developers does anyone know or remember? And the one I can think of is Eichler, right? Like, why do people remember that person? Why is he essentially immortal? Because he did more. He did more than 
just contend with the bottom line, right? He wanted to give people quality architecture and, you know, and he also maybe wasn't his main goal, but he was also a pioneer in terms of civil rights and home ownership. But right. like, aside from Eichler, if I say Eichler, people know who that, or not, maybe not everyone does, but you know, people know. know who that is as a developer. Who else, who else matters in history? Like, and if you want to matter in history, you need to do more than just try to make as much money as possible. I, I agree wholeheartedly. With I, you but I mean, I, I'm, I'm just throwing that out in the in the universe. And I, I was agree, about but that this morning, and I totally agree. And I think you're lucky in that you can talk to those individuals, even if it's that small developer who's still run by that one guy and his two sons or whatever, and then still an LLC or whatever, and they build ten custom homes. They have that uh, capability to have other things beyond the bottom. It, but the the bigger players that I'm used to playing, I, they, even if you get the one executive who who follows your compass reading to the T, he's still going to have purchasing and corporate and everybody behind him saying, "Oh no, you don't." So this is this weird dynamic of we we know the if the right person heard the right words, they would make the right choice, but then it's that connecting the dots and then everybody around them agreeing with them and not telling them he's crazy. And yes, it doesn't matter about profits and all that. Well, of course it matters about profits, but profits, right. profits enough are don't matter. That, that isn't enough to justify human existence, you know, and, and maybe I, I that's know. problematic, but, and I'm not saying this is easy. It's obviously really hard. And the bigger, yeah, it's tough. The and bigger I guess the that's what I was trying to get you to, that's what I was trying to get you to, to get to is, <clears throat> is there any way to convert or get, the production builders in line because yeah. they're always going to just stick to code. They're always just going to build to code. There's a few of, you know, I, I'm in a company now. We, we service the nationwide with third party inspections and we serve most of the major builders and only about 10% of our clientele, it does energy star. So that's just a small portion of our own portfolio. And they too are just doing some good stuff and not enough good stuff. You know what I mean? So how do you get, the other 90%, if it's not code or regulated in some fashion, or, or or do you just let the pendulum do what it does? Well, the pendulum does what it does, but you maybe you get to nudge it a little and 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 do things that are meaningful for you. I mean, maybe that's a little self-oriented, but <laughs> you, I mean, you want to spend your time doing things that are meaningful and make a meaningful life. So yeah, the fact that your, your influence isn't universal and you can't change the world instantly. Yeah. That's, that's a bummer, but you know, if right. you can wake up every day and feel like you, you did something to make the world a better place or you you're helping get that pendulum swing. And again, it'll be, you know, the day this is successful will be the day I'm doing nothing special. Right. It'd right? just be a, a, another I'll be job. Just, just another be like, address. oh, okay. okay. What? you? Okay. So you build buildings that perform like we build all buildings to perform, you know, and, um, you know, right. that'll be a happy challenge to have. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's the definition of succeeding with this, right? Is it's no longer, it's no longer that challenge we were talking about up front, right? It's now right. common practice and, um, are there places where it is that common where you, where they have that nirvana where it's all yeah. just, well that's just standard I mean is it, yeah, it is a, a small portion of overall building worldwide or is it yeah 
pretty I widely. I think Brussels, again, back to this report I was talking about, and I knew about this before, like Brussels, Belgium went from one of the worst performing uh, building portfolios in Europe to one of the best. And now Passive House, Passive House is code there. And they didn't Was just... it because of that drastic, we're at the bottom, so we want to be at the top? Because I heard the same thing about Finland and their education system. It was really bad, and they decided to flip-flop, and now they're one of the best. So is it this kind of, we're not going to go down that road again, it's very bad, we're going to make it really good? I mean, I just, I'm afraid that we're such agree. in the middle that we're not going to budge either way. We're pretty bad, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know what, I don't know what the, the motivation was, I do know that the way that they approached that was not just, hey, we're tomorrow, this is code. They actually got buy-in from the industry, you know, through various methods, but they got the industry to buy into this. And by the time it was code, people were doing it anyway. So there always will be, there are always going to be people that build like, and you know, and you know, that whole thing we always used to say from home performance, like building code building is that's the worst building you can legally build. That's a D right. I mean, there were always, there will always be D builders, but and developers and architects and everything else. Right. And so code will have to push them along and it will slowly, right. That will be pushing behind right. the very back, but there are people there, you know, there are all kinds of people and that, that are really looking for that purpose and that meaning. And again, I don't, I don't pretend that it's simple. You know, it sounds like I'm saying, Oh, you just have to decide to do this. No, I know. Right. I know it's really, really difficult, um, but there are people that are working on this all the time. And there are people that are figuring it out and there are people that have just made it their mission to make things better. Um, right. Yeah. Thank God that we have those kind of people that still have yeah, that passion. And it's good for business too at, at the end yeah. of the day. And, you know, the other thing I was going to say is that, like the pe people are doing what they're doing is producing products that people Buy, right or answering market demand so mm -hmm. if the market demands it it will be there too right like if what like what is what if all of a sudden this podcast went out and just caught fire and then it you know everyone was like oh we need you know it, i'll pay twice yeah. i'll pay twice for a house that has this level of performance than a code built house are you telling me that there wouldn't be how do you do these and, right. and twice might be an extreme but you know what i'm saying like if there yes. if there's a if there's a strong uh sales pull right you know from right. the market it'll get a, a market demand for the product well yeah, that's kind of i mean i've told you I, i'm in the state of alabama now and there's not a whole lot of movement towards any of this so there's not even on their radar so we always wish that the market would demand and pull the train down the track, but some areas there's nothing in front of the train. There are no tracks. There's nothing pulling them forward. Yeah, as far yes as I can no. see. And yes and no, but like how many houses are sold without indoor plumbing? <laughs> as True. an example. Right, right. So go back fifty years, there were plenty of houses without indoor plumbing. Now you wouldn't you'd be out of your mind. You could save a lot of money, right? <laughs> Like think yeah. of how much money you could save on a house. If you just put an outhouse behind it, you didn't have to plumb the whole, that's gotta be huge amount. And Hey, why yeah. like leave the electricity out too? No one would buy that. 
right? No matter where. <laughs> well, I mean, in maybe right. some parts of the world or whatever, but like those things now are standard assumptions, right? You can't, you indoor plumbing, you got to have indoor plumbing. Yeah, everything takes a little bit of time to advance. Right. And but I mean, yeah. like do residential ventilation for indoor air quality. Why don't yeah. we have, why is that not in every building? I mean, that's like the best, that's the best thing you can have. I will tell you right now, like that is the best piece of this. I don't, who cares? I mean, forget the environmental impact and forget comfort. I mean, all of it, forget all that stuff. The best thing about this is fresh air in your house. Now, why is that not standard? Why is that not like plumbing, indoor plumbing? Or, or electric lights. <laughs> well, we hope it will be someday. It will right? be. Everything, you know, just but like again, you Energy Star right? keeps up. Right. Stand back and look at it and say, well, what, what's going on? And like in in 20 years, people will be like, what what, what were they thinking? Like, right. what? So, I don't yeah, know. I think that's why it's important to keep those fires burning and keep pushing those officials. Hey, eh, this isn't enough. You got to keep right. pushing. And maybe and, assume, like, why, why yeah. not assume that this should be? I know. <laughs> like, do you see any apologize. conflict when you when you talk to clients or your or your people you're talking to between uh let's say they're thinking about passive house but not maybe getting certified and green building is there any conflict in your mind of those two highways or is it the same highway same lanes or does one yeah, right. override the other if you look at the green pie in its entirety, energy performance would be part of that pie. So maybe the passive house characteristics are built into the pie. Yeah, but the, but the pie, yeah, but all green buildings, as you know, are not necessarily energy. That's well kind of what I wanted you to maybe talk about is, is there, is there characteristics that are combative between the two or, or? They're not mutually exclusive, but they often are at odds. And I, I felt, I mean, I felt like that for me again, before I discovered passive house, it was really hard to feel like you could really get a hold of this performance thing in a, in a compelling manner. Right. I mean, it was kind of like, well, you should kind of, I, I mean, and again, I was sort of talking about this th- feeling, this answers all these questions, you know, there'd be mm-hmm. these, classes on this and this is good and that's good and that's the other and it's like well okay they're good but what like how much if this is good is twice as much better is 10 times better like there were no clear answers on that and it felt like in the absence of of uh, a way to get hold of that technical side you know in a and this is really what what passive house gave to the world and to architects is a way to really get hold of that and make sense of it. People were just like, study it and analyze it. Make any sense, but you know what's you know what's really green? Let's build like, and I'm not knocking these things, but like, let's build out of straw or rammed earth or whatever. Yes, and those are very ecological, but like those things without any consideration for energy performance, you know. uh, a straw right. bale house that performs like a code built house is going to use as much natural gas as any of them. And yes, right. there is some environmental savings on the upfront, but over the le- life of that building, it's dwarfed in my right. opinion. So, so yeah, I, I think, I think those 
concerns are laudable and, and important, but you have to have the science as well. And you have to got to And that's what the PHP brought to the table. Yeah, the, well, I mean, the, the analytics. Building, just building performance in general, right? right. right? So, right. so that's my qu- thing about the green thing, right? Or like, like, yeah, it's really good to use low, low or no VOC paints, but is the house with no, with, you know, all natural clay paint any better from the, for the environment in its operation than the one that isn't? No, you know, it's a piece of it. It's important, but you got to really think big picture about this. And right. And I guess so that's what the Build It Green tried to do with their certification model is yeah. to recognize all those categories and, and yeah. grade you on and, each category. And I, and I don't, I don't want to say that I don't think that's important. I really do think it's important. Yeah. But my, I feel like the hard, the piece that's not as accessible or as well known is how do we, how do we really optimize the performance of this building? But you know, I also, I mean spend a lot of time and consideration making sure that the impact of construction is, is minimized as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I also do a lot of stuff with water, you know, water efficiency Saving and conservation and reuse. I just think those things, you know, right. especially in California, I, that should just be standard construction and doing it up front is pretty easy. Doing it later is really hard. So. Right. Any of those things that we know about are really tricky to do post. Um, what, what do you know about today's architecture training and education track? Are they, are they being more receptive? I'm, I hope so to higher performance. They're introduced to passive house in school. So they know it when they come out, they can have that conversation. So, so, I mean, I, and some I hope you're places, reaching out yeah. too. And some places, some uh, places. Hmm. Yeah. It, I don't think it's seen. I, well, I don't think you're going to find an architect who would say that uh, sustainability is a bad thing, right? No one is going to say that. Yeah, right. But awareness of it, and I think in many cases it's seen as an inconvenience. Um, That's kind of what I've been exposed to that inconvenience, but they'll smile when they say it, but they'll still say it. That's why I was, cause it also relates to kind of my family, which is the construction side is lots of great builders out there that they don't know this stuff and to get them to open the book or watch the video or read up on it or whatever is tricky. So even if you did change the code or change the mantra of the builder, you would still have this lack of an army who could fulfill. Maybe it depends on where you're standing, obviously, but. Uh, right now, that's even a problem here just to get regular houses built, let alone passive or high-performing houses. So there's mm-hmm. lots of components to this conundrum we're in, but I'm just glad that folks like you are still out there fighting the fight and and well, pushing you us do. forward. You're, I'm, yeah. You know, you're the one talk, You're the one interviewing me. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I'm just, I, I want to expose everybody as many people as I can because it's such an important, you know, pushed aside you know, consideration when you're building, if you're building one house or a thousand houses, you're right, man. It doesn't matter. Uh, there's a way to do it right. And a way to do it. So, so most of us do it. So, so, so if you know, you're, let's say you're in a moderate climate, it's not, it's not the worst, it's not the best, but 
like you said before, there is some low-hanging fruit. I mean, we're always pushing our builders to improve their air sealing, improve their wall insulate, you know, whatever the, the common list is. And some are looking at HRV, ERV, but not very closely. There's they're still aligning with code. So that's a hard sell. And I, But I agree with you. That's a very powerful piece of equipment. Uh, if you could replace the main unit. Are, are you, is that why you're saying it or just... In, in addition no. to the fresh air that you get to pump into the house. You just get fresh air. Yeah. So, I mean, that you get fresh air, get your bathrooms continuously ventilated. I mean, just that, just those two things right there. Like, right. The moisture buildup. Sign me up. You know, yeah. I mean, just that it's just people have no idea. Yeah. I was so bummed when California let that one slide and just let the California or the bathroom ventilation. Kind of follow yeah, that turn a bath fan on. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mechanically right. induce leaks in your shell. Right. What should I mean beyond the the performance of the shell and the envelope and the equipment? What's your take on solar these days? A lot of my old pals are kind of flip flopping, and they they were very much on the bandwagon early on to to offset usage, etc. But now they're kind of worried about the middle, low, poor people that can't put solar on the roof. So their their bills are going to, the ratio goes up, doesn't go down as far as cost shared amongst all ratepayers. I think that what Germany did with solar, with feed-in tariffs, that they, they, they disconnected consumption and production, mm. right? And it wasn't this thing of like, Oh, if you, if you use a whole lot of energy and you have money, then you can buy, you can buy your way out of that. Um, if it's a separate thing, they also made sure that there were community based solar installations that were owned by the community. So forget, forget zeroing your energy bill with the solar system, you pay for what you use. And you get paid for what you produce. And that would mean <clears throat> somebody that was very careful with their energy use, but put a solar system on their house could actually make money doing it or could, could buy a share or be given a share in their, in their town's solar energy system. You're talking about the system over there versus here. Yeah. I'm just saying that I think that, that addresses many of these equity concerns and and the frankly the inverse incentive around this i mean yeah you, you i would get calls all the time when i you know oh what's your yeah we're here from this solar company and blah 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 and what's your electric bill and i would say i don't know it's 35 dollars a month and then there'd be a pause and then that'd be the end of it right <laughs> yeah i mean it's Not almost like customer. you need you need to have high consumption to make this worthwhile and you're actually rewarded in a perverse way for that. Right. Right. And they typically ignore the other stuff that they could have done with the same amount of money right. or less. And, and, and I guess the other half, I don't, th I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think, you know, if, if it makes sense, do it. And it's not like putting more solar on the grid is a bad thing. It's good. Although we are getting to the point where it's sort of oversaturating at times because it mm. all generates at the same time. And I guess my, in the big picture, I would say like society, in a societal point of view, we're going to have plenty of solar. 
there's going to be plenty of solar. What, we're, what we need is efficiency and storage and, yeah, and storage. actually the nexus of those two things. That, that will be the value on a, a case-by-case basis. Right. And, and well, I hope we can get there sometime. That's a well. That's we're a going big to wish. whether right. whether we like it or not, because <laughs> the e- utilities can't sustain a business model of, of all this distributed right. generation. You know, it, the whole thing is is going to be problematic, and it's so you re- you'd be remapping the whole grid basically, or parts well, of the, it. the way it's charged at least, yeah. and you're going to be paying. You're going to be paying a whole lot more for energy when the sun isn't shining than when it is. And that will change. Again, you're saying, I was saying, you know, people, people will become aware of these things because right now, right? Utilities on a monopoly basis, the price to supply energy goes, you know, it's wildly different from hour to hour and day to day, but the consumer doesn't see any of that because they just kind of average that out and parcel it out. But if you got people, you got distributed generation taking taking all the easy stuff away and leaving only the hard parts for the the grid manager or the utility, you know that that's not sustainable, right? Right? Be like, right. oh, you're running a business, and I don't just make something up like. Like as a contractor, right? Like doing kitchen remodels is really valuable, right? There's a lot of markup on that stuff. And what's what's not really, what's a really tough side of things? Like roofing? I don't know. <laughs> right. Let's say that you're trying to run your business and, and someone comes in and takes away all your kitchen remodels and leaves you. I mean, and I'm not saying maybe as a GC. I know there are roofers that make a living. So this may be a weak analogy. Right. But let's just say as a GC... You lose all the all the real high value stuff, and you're just left with the low value part. Your 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 whole costing approach has to change, or you're going out of business. Right. Yeah, they need a whole reevaluation of how they do things. It's ha- it's going to happen. You yeah. know, I mean, there, like I said, there's times now where the price of electricity is going negative, meaning they have to pay people to take it. Like that, those kind of things can't continue. Right. And there, as, as there's more renewable on the grid, which is inevitable, not just even because of code, but because of the economic, you know, economies of scale of the whole thing more it, it, like, it's just the whole, I, and again, I'm, I'm just an architect. So what do I know about these things? <laughs> but like the people managing the grid know all this stuff and it, it's going to be a tremendous challenge. And I don't see how it isn't, I don't see how time of use doesn't end up being passed along to the consumer. And once that happens, efficiency of your home is going to make a, it's going to, oh, it's even like, and I, I know I'm running long, but I promise all. No, it's okay. It. Even I'm like putting a battery, it. right? Like these batteries in your house, right? Like you can put a battery in your house and power your house for some period of time. Well, what benefit is there to that? If the power goes out, sure. But what, let's just say that electricity costs the same amount every hour of the day, every day of the year. Yeah. What, like what financial benefit do you have to this battery? Now, 
if if electricity gets really expensive in the afternoon and evening and it's inexpensive at noon when there's a bunch of solar right it starts making a whole lot of sense to charge that battery at noon and use that battery later in the day but the, right. but right now or to some degree that that incentive isn't there but once that incentive's there you're going to see a whole lot of batteries you're also going to mm-hmm. see a whole lot of high performing buildings where the yeah. building itself is the battery in terms of storing the heating and cooling, right? Like you can... A thermal bank. Right. Thermal battery is what I like to say. Like you can yeah. you can heat this thing or cool it when there's abundant power and just let it coast through those times mm. when it's... Right. When the inefficient buildings, right? I mean, why is, why is summer evening electricity... Like that's the... That's peak load in California. Why? Well, air conditioning, right? People come home and, I mean, yeah, there's TVs and all that stuff, but it's really air conditioning. Well, if you have an efficient building that you don't need to turn your air conditioning on in the afternoon because it's already cool and it's going to stay cool through that, that's going to be worth a lot of money in the future. Right. But we were always dependent upon that that escalating utility pricing so that you know, when we showed them the financial analysis, it looks good on paper, but they always find a way to keep that number under control, just high enough where they'll tolerate the cost of energy. But you're right. As soon as it spikes up, people and, will start looking for And getting for rid of natural gas is going to be tricky. Yeah. We're already seeing buyers like, what the hell? We, we you know, my month, my last month's utility bill was this and now it's this and I bought this new home. Oh, it's all electric. Oh, so that, that that fuel shift is now a reality on pricing. So, yeah, lots of lots of things at play here. Yeah, interesting times. Yeah. Well, Graham, thank you so much for for enlightening us and sharing us sharing with us about passive house and and what that you know that's just the, some of the basic fundamentals of both passive house and just high performance building are so easy to do if you just do them right and are, they're executed well and tested. And a lot of this has to do with verification on the back end, right? You're still doing uh, some amount of testing on the back end to assure things. And yeah, if yeah, we can just and, get more people to adopt it, you're right. And I, I mean, what my, my role and my job, and I was talking about messaging, my job is to make, get all that in there, but, in a compelling and beautiful and inspiring building. Because I was going to say, because your title as the architect is to preserve value, whether it's the aesthetic value or the performance value or the longevity value, that's kind of your charge as, as that gatekeeper. And I'm, and I'm glad you really hold on to that. And because some people would have a different priority list and you always seem to kind of put it in at least the right order and, it makes sense. And so that's what I like about you and your style. So thank you again, Graham. I really appreciate your time. Thank Take you. care and say hello to everybody for me, will you? Will do. All, All right, right, then. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye.